Welcome to the Bearing Fruit Podcast, where we will be discussing the simplicity of Christianity. This is a production of Simply Free Church in Lanark, Illinois. Now here's your host, Pastor Glenn Scott. Anybody in here a gardener? Yeah, I know Rudy. Yes, I, I saw your garden the other day. Everybody likes being a gardener once in a while, don't they? Whether it's even just your, your lawn or what it is. You know, I, my, my grass out here is my crop, and it's not very good, but it's, it's what I do. I farm my lawn. But we, um, we like gardens. And one of the reasons we're going to talk about this for a minute is because we're actually going to give you the opportunity to go over to Straddle Creek Gardens today. In, in cooperation with them, we've teamed up, and they just want to offer each and every person that's in attendance here to go over there and walk through the maze and look at the flowers, and it's just an awesome place to hang out. It's really, really beautiful over there. So I want to just touch base on a garden so that you'll actually have purpose in a plan if you choose to go over there with us. I would love to just see a hundred people walk down the street, right across the street, into that garden with purpose. And what I want to talk to you about is the Garden of Gethsemane. And a lot of people probably know this story, and if you don't, I'm sorry, I don't want to go into it all because I want to get you all over there. But in the Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus was preparing for his arrest and his crucifixion, and it was not a beautiful place for him at the moment. And what he did was he took the disciples and wanted to go off into solitude and pray. And he went out with these disciples, and then he took three of them and said, come with me a little further while I go pray. And what he does is he sits them down and then goes into solitude. And we can learn a lot of things from this. First of all, we need some solitude. This is something that you have to have a balance in your life. Christ did it, and we need to do it too. When in this prayer that he prays is better than us. You know, so many times we're just praying for ourselves or things that's going on in our life, and he is actually praying for other things. And I just want to read a couple, couple verses here. Then Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane. First of all, the, the word garden here really doesn't exist. It only says garden, I think, in the Gospel of John. The story's in all four Gospels, but only John, I believe, calls it a garden. Now, if you prove me wrong on that, I'll know you read it. So go for it. Uh, went to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. He got away from them. And he knew what was going to happen, obviously. And he walks out there and he starts to pray. And and a few verses later it says, uh, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is your will, let this cup be taken from me. Now you understand, he didn't really want to do this. He knew what was going to happen. And if there was another way, he's asking the God, to, can we do this a different way? Now, don't we do that? We get ourselves in a pinch, and we're asking God to fix this for us. That means, can you do this in another way? I don't like what's going on. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's actually praying to God that I don't really want to do this, but if that's what you want, I'll do it. He was obedient to the death Now, this garden that he's in, I want to make sure you understand that this was not a bunch of fruit and vegetables. This was not your garden, right? (laughs) 
Actually, and here again, I wish somebody proved me wrong because I know you studied it more than I did. Uh, there was a cave. And in the Mount of Olives, they had a place where uh, they would prepare the oil. Um, actually, Gethsemane, if you break that down into the Greek, and they actually get some of the Greek from the old Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, I don't want to get into all that with you. But it means oil press. And then it means a place to do several types of oil. So what this was, was just a place. This was not a garden. There weren't vegetables growing, there weren't fruit trees and everything like that, What you think a garden is. This was a place, probably at the foot of Mount Olive, where they would bring them down and press and get the oil out of them. Gethsemane is actually a place of preparation. Now you'll understand a little bit more on what Jesus was doing there. He goes to a place of preparation and says, Father, if we can do this a different way, I wish you would, but if this is your will, I'll do it. This is some of the things that I want you guys to do in the garden. What did he go there for? He went there to prepare. What did he go there and do? He went there to pray. He had purpose. He knew what was going to happen. In the book of Mark, it says basically the exact same thing. In fact, it says it twice. If your will be done, I'll do it. I'm paraphrasing. This place was not a beautiful, lush garden the way that people think it is. It simply means a place. And I want to ask you, where is your garden? It doesn't have to be some beautiful, lush place. It's a place of preparation. Let's think of it that way from now on. The Garden of Gethsemane is really just a place for preparation. And what he did was, he picked this place, and not only was it a place for preparation, it also was a place where you get the good stuff out of it. This was the oil press. This was the cave type thing where they would all go and get the good stuff out of the olives. Now you'll have a different picture of what Jesus was doing there. The garden was simply uh, probably a flat place on the mountain. Uh, A lot of things happen on the Mount of Olives, but this would have been just just a flat place where people could congregate and probably get inside uh, the cave, uh, get out of the weather or something like that. But what I want you to think about is, how he prepared, and what he prayed for. Now, his preparation, and this this is going to go right along with your life too, he actually was preparing for humiliation. He died a criminal's death on the cross, and he's preparing for this. He didn't really want to do it, but he was going to prepare for it. There was going to be pain. There's going to be shedding of blood. There was hatred for him, and he's preparing for all these things to happen. He was going to be mocked on the cross. He was going to be humiliated. And he needed to prepare. There was going to be trouble. And probably the biggest preparation is, is he was going to have the fight of his life with the devil. He's preparing as he's praying. And these short little things, this, this short little prayers that I just told you, are very small compared to what it is in John. If you go to John 17, there's one of the longest prayers in there that Jesus has been recorded praying. And I'm just going to break down some of them for you. Jesus prays to be glorified through the Father so that he can glorify the Father. Do any of us pray for that? We can be glorified so that we can glorify the Lord. He prays for his disciples, his followers. These were the men that he was teaching to build his church. Do we do that? He also prayed for all believers. My prayer is not 
for them alone. He was talking about the apostles. I pray also for those who believe in me. Each and every one of us, he's getting ready to go to the cross for forgiveness. This is a preparation like never before. And then he prays for things that aren't necessarily for himself, but to glorify others. That's what we need to be doing. We need to have a place that we can go. And a lot of people will actually call this an altar. You know, in the old churches, and a lot of you probably raised, they had a, an altar across here, and the altar call, they would ask you to come up and kneel at it or whatever. That's not an altar. That, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. That's not an altar. An altar is a place that's marked where people experienced God. They, they put up a pile of rocks when they crossed the Jordan River, and they said, let's make an altar. When he actually interrupted Jesus uh, in the Great Transfiguration, Peter says, hey, let's make three altars here. You see, it's not a, a wall up here that you kneel on. It's where you experience God. This is the same thing as your garden. And I want you to think about where your garden is. Where do you go? In solitude. Pray to God. And to prepare for what? How about the next day? How about this day? How about this week? How about this month? There's going to be trouble. Just the way Jesus was praying here. Not those same things, I hope. But there's going to be trouble. And we need to prepare for this. Hey, if there's another way, I'm all good with that. But if this is what you want, I know that you will strengthen me. When he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, an angel actually appears to him and gives him strength. Do you have a place of solitude that you can go? Do you have a place where you can go and prepare for what's about to happen? Whether it's today or tomorrow or next week or next year, maybe you're suffering from something medical or relationships or whatever it is, your prayer should actually prepare you for what's about to happen. And ask for an angel to appear to give you strength. And then say, if this is your will, I'll do it. Because I know you know what's best. This is something that we all need. And some people are so busy, so wound up, that they don't take time to actually have some solitude and to spend some time with the Lord. When you experience the Lord, that will be your place of altar. That's your altar. For me, it used to be in a truck. When I was driving a semi, this is all I thought about while I'm driving. This was my altar. This is where I experienced God and where I, where I spent time with him. Where is yours? Maybe it's a place like this, but it actually should be a place of solitude. And you talk to the Father. You prepare and you pray. How do you prepare? Same way he did. Pray to him. Cry out to him. Ask him. Give me strength for what's about to happen. I don't even know what's going to happen. But I want you to let me know that I'm ready for whatever it is. This was exactly the same thing that was happening to Jesus. And we need to do that exact same thing. Um, when he was preparing for all these things that were going to happen for him, to him, he also was preparing for the great things. So we're not going to just go to a place of solitude and, and pray for preparation on bad things. He also was praying for the glory of the Lord, for the greatest day on earth, the, the resurrection. These are things that are just awesome. To tell us die, the forgiveness. He's preparing for all the great things that are going to happen too. Grace, reconciliation, and for the Father's will to be done. So he's saying, prepare me for the trouble. 
But Lord, prepare me for the great stuff, the glory of you and your message to all people. Can't we do that too? So many times we even find our place of solitude or our quiet time or whatever you call it, and we ask for things for us. Instead of saying, God, if this is your will, give me the strength to do it. Prepare me. I know that all things are possible through you to glorify you. Let me know that I can do this. Because when it's over, the greatest things I could ever imagine are going to happen. He can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask, imagine, or even think. That's what you can prepare for as well. What I want to do is make sure you're not the apostles that fell asleep. Now, if you go and read this story, right, he takes three of them. I think it was uh, Peter and James and John. Please go prove me wrong so I'll know you read that. Peter, James, and John go with him a little bit further, and he says, stay here while I go off and pray. And he goes and he falls down on his face and he prays to the Lord. And while he's gone, these three so-called disciples, followers of Christ, in his very presence, fell asleep. That's the majority of the church today. We come and we want to spend some time with him and we got our little solitude place, but then during the week, we're just asleep. And he comes back and says, can't you even stay awake? Is he saying that to you now? Are you doing any of these things that he's asked us to do, that he created a principle for? This is simple stuff. We can do all the rites and rituals up here. We can all take communion and everything. But if you don't do what he asks you to do and what he wants you to do, that doesn't make any difference. It's all just a show. I was a, a what do you call him, acolyte? Remember going down there? Right? And he tried to walk slow because the fire would go out. My, my fire was, and I'm pushing up the wick. And I'm trying to, and, and it goes out, and I turn around, and everybody's like, oh, man. Like, I was the devil himself right there. It's not about that stuff. It's about your heart and being prepared and praying to the Father each and every day. And not just what you want, but to prepare you for what's about to happen. And tell him, whatever your will is, I'm good with it. Because you will strengthen me and you will get me through it. And in the end, when this is over, you will be glorified and all the good stuff's going to happen. That's a prayer. You know, this whole prayer thing is not about the fancy words or what you do. or, or uh, It's just basically talking to God. And somebody says, I can't pray. Well, you can pray. And here's a good example. If God, if, if Jesus shows up right there, right now, what would you say to him? That's a prayer. Whatever it is. Maybe I would fall on my face too. Probably not because I don't get up very well. But if I went off and I fell on my face, I would prepare that somebody would come and help me up. You see, you've got to be prepared for these things. And then they would be glorified for helping me. I want you to go over in that garden. And I want you to find God over there. I want you to prepare for what's about to happen to you. Whether it's this afternoon, this week, this month, this life. Prepare me, Father. Ask him to help you. Ask him for an angel to show up to give you the strength that you need. And regardless of what it is, I'm okay with it because your will should be done. 
Darren Eubanks has offered us to come over there. You know, he sits on a... Uh, I'm going to weep a minute. He sits on a hay rack over there and watches us. On video. Hi, Darren. We're coming. And he would be so delighted to see this church walking over there, driving over there, skipping over there. I'll carry you over there, or somebody will. I better pray for preparation. But in the end, I would hope that God's glory would come through that. Because if I could do that, that would be glorious. But seriously, what I want you to do is not just go over there and have fun. Yep, it's all about fun. God loves fun. He wants you to have it too. But look at his beauty and ask him to prepare you. We're going to give you a wristband as you go out. Will the worship team get ready? Let's get these people out of here. We're going to give you a wristband as you go out if you want to go over there. And I don't care if you dry or fly or whatever you want to do. Go and spend some time. That is church just as much as it's in here. It's a place where you can spend some time with God. Just look at his beauty and what's going on. I don't want you to go over there and start chanting and make a spectacle out of yourself. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Bible thumper. I'm more about being effective. And can you imagine somebody over there seeing a group like this coming over joyfully, ready to roll? Let's look at the beauty. Thank you for what you've done. If we can't support our neighbor, we can't call ourselves Christians. We have to show love to them. And this love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. I don't want you to go over there and start hugging him and everything. Well, you can if you want. I don't know. But it's more about putting their needs in front of ours. And he's got something over there that is so great that he would love to share with us. Why would we not take advantage of that? So he's made it possible for us. What I want to make sure out of all this message is that you're not the follower that falls asleep. You know, don't you ever hear this? You know, you had one job to do. They didn't even have a job. He just said, come with me and sit there. Then they fell asleep. And this is what happens to us six days out of the week. We come here and we glorify him and ask him for all kinds of stuff. We worship and we pray. We meet each other's needs. We build up one another. We encourage one another. That's what a church does. And then the rest of the week, we are asleep. I mean, really, asleep. And I'm not trying to turn you all into pastors or evangelists or anything like that. I'm trying to make you a better Christian. And I want somebody to say, I think you're a Christian. Just because of the way you treated me, the way you talked to me, the way that you act, the way that you handle trouble. That's what people are looking at. How you handle something. And I don't know what it's going to be, but why don't you take some time today to prepare for tomorrow, or this week, or this month, or what you're leading into, or what could happen, and say, God, that's my will. But I'll do what your will is. Let your will be done. But do not fall asleep. Let's pray together before we go over. Awesome God, we just thank you. We thank you for the time we have here together. God, just protect each and every person as they go. Let it be for your glory. Not theirs, not that their will would be done, but that your will would be done, whatever it is. God, we just want to prepare ourselves, and we want to keep our eyes focused on you. You are the one that's important. You are the thing that we need the worst in life. And God, your glorious appearing will be the awesome, best day ever. It's in your son's beautiful name we pray. Amen.